0: as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. I don't know if you all know this, but I have a real appreciation for art because my dad's a painter. So art was something that he brought into the home when my mom married him at four. Um, when I was four. So I can sometimes walk into a modern art museum and feel like I want to lick the walls because the paintings get me so excited. And Darren Todd's work got me super excited. Like <laughs> I wanted to start licking my phone. Uh, he's a Portland based artist, muralist, and designer. He uses his mediums to connect with the community around him. Aside from running a fine art business called Art Larger Than Me, Darren also curates work for a new gallery in downtown Portland that's called the Downstairs Gallery, with a focus on supporting um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, LGBTQ+, and disabled artists in their work. So he is a fierce justice advocate. Darren also serves as president of a nonprofit artist organization called the Neighborhood Arts Collective, and together with a group of artists seeks to create art based on the lives of other community members and creatives, Sound familiar? I mean, the values between what we're doing at Sidewalk Talk and what Darren's doing are so in alignment. Aside from all the art, Darren also collaborates with a group of musicians as part of the It's Future Time, a Portland-based indie record label specializing in jazz-based hip-hop and creating music for commercial and sync licensing. You're going to hear the entire evolution of an artist, and what I really dig about Darren is, I think Darren was a born artist. I think there are just some people that come out of the hopper, and you can't get them to stop doing art. And we had a a conversation about what it means to be loving. And Darren wanted to make sure he says, you know, I think I might have said loving, and I didn't say the accountability piece. And it's really important to me, Tracy, that you make sure that I stand for loving people, but holding people accountable. And we had this conversation right after the insurrection of the US Capitol building. So thank you, Darren, for making sure that I put that back in. What a light. What a light. I can't wait for you to meet Darren Todd. Darren Todd, in our just lead up to you and I starting to dialogue, I said I'm so excited to finish my day talking to an artist because I have this, something comes alive in me when I talk to artists because I feel like you're helping us see things and hear things that we can't see without your lens. So thank you for being here and tell me, tell us all the listeners about Darren Todd and how you got started making art because it's not a traditional path.
1: Yeah, um, not only is it not a traditional path, but I didn't come to it in a traditional way. Um, I, I actually, like if you asked me a year ago, I would have told you I was a musician. Um, I grew up in church and was always surrounded by music. My mom was like, you know, the praise and worship team leader. And my dad was the soundboard guy. And I used to say, you know, I was just born next to a speaker. Um, and I started playing violin in middle school, was classically trained and got pretty good and then did choir and learned how to sing and um, picked up other little instruments along the way, guitar and and piano and bass and a drum set and just enough so that I could figure out how to write songs for myself and then really fell in love with songwriting. Um, and uh, when I transitioned, uh, I kind of lost the use of my voice for a while. And so I started rapping because it was like, well, if I can't sing, I can talk. And all of that kind of came together in 2017. I was living in my hometown, Santa Barbara, And there's not really a big music scene there but I was trying to make it work. And um, I opened for uh, musicians that were on tour from Portland down to California. And one of the musicians was like, you know, you're a really talented guy. Uh, There wasn't anybody in the audience tonight, but you still went up there and did your thing as if, you know, it was packed house. And we really respect that. He said, I want you to come up to Portland for a week or two and, You know, stay with me. And I'm starting this record label called It's Future Time. And, you know, we can put music together and it'll be a thing. And something about him, but also the name, It's Future Time, really struck a chord with me. Um, I just couldn't say no. So it was on my heart and on my mind all summer. And then by June, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Portland. And at the time, I was married, super young. And I left behind, you know, my wife and my friends and my serving job and just was like, I got to do this. I have to do this. And, um, came up here and one week turned to one month, turned to three months, turned to a year. And I've never, I've never went back. I just moved up here and stayed up here. And a lot of things changed during those first three years of being here in Portland. Um, I ended up going through a divorce, um, and making a whole new set of friends and, just learning a lot about myself and who I was and who I wanted to become in this version of America. And I put all that into my music. Um, And I was so supported by the record label and the people that I met and the community here in Portland that even though I didn't make, you know, and I didn't make that much money, probably, you know, under $1,000 in those three years, it really never was about the money. It was always about wow, look at all the people that we're connecting with. Look at all the people that will come to our shows. Um, look at all the lives that um, I'm able to change by just saying, yeah, I had a dream and I followed it. And you can do the same thing too. And so that kind of became like my rallying cry. It kind of always was follow your dream, but it was it was solidified by following my dream and it, it, it somewhat working out for me. And so I was in that course and doing those things and just producing music and teaching myself as much as I could learn about um, graphic design because we wanted to like design our own album covers and teaching myself about playing instruments and producing and things. And then um, in March, 2020, you know, I, I lost my bartending job um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and I had always said to people at my job, (laughs) even, you know, I I hate doing this, you know, I love connecting with people over the bar, but I don't want to have a boss and I don't want to be a part of this capitalistic machine that just works you until you can't, you know, feel your knees or you, or you can feel your knees rubbing together and your hips cracking and, you know, it's just, it's not, it just never fulfilled me. And so I would tell people, you know, I'm not going to be a bartender by the end of this year. And I said that in April and in March, sure enough, got laid off and was no longer a bartender. And I just took that opportunity to really delve into art. I had always kind of drawn and kind of doodled and kind of designed things, but I took time every day to really put myself into painting. I just had always been intimidated by how many colors there were and couldn't figure out what to do with line and structure. And one day I just said, you know, I'm gonna figure it out. And so I started working on it. Every day I'd put an hour or two or three into it. And um, out of that, by like March, April, May, June, July, by July, I decided, you know what? I can make this into a business. I had put some paintings on Etsy and they had sold. And then I started selling prints on Etsy and they were selling. And then what really happened was I was on Reddit, which is like an online kind of forum based website. It's pretty big. But then again, a lot of people don't know what it is. And they have one feature where you can live stream. So I was looking on there one day and I saw this dude painting and I looked at his painting and I was just like, you know, I think I could probably paint something. That's at least as good as that. And he had a bunch of people watching him. So I thought, you know, that's a good outreach. Hopped on there the same day. I taped my phone to a broomstick. Kid you not. And started streaming from my phone. You know, taped the piece of paper to the wall. I had nothing. I just had a couple of paints and a couple of paintbrushes. And played some of my favorite music in the background. And turned it on. And it went from like seven people watching to 70 people watching, to 700 people watching, to like 7,000 people watching me paint the first time, and I just it was like, okay, this is it, and I, I couldn't stop. I started doing it, it every cool. day. Or I'm paint I was, on
0: the sidewalk. Talk Instagram account. God, that sounds <laughs> so relaxing to just be in creative process with an artisan. Amazing. I think
1: that's that's what people say. They're like, this is relaxing, and we love seeing how you're building these things up. And they get to ask me questions about my process. And um, I've been told I'm a pretty positive and upbeat guy. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. It's like, maybe it's fun to interact with me. And so I just kept it going. I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 a.m. for three or four months and really built a following. I would send people to my Instagram and send people to my Etsy shop. And I eventually took my Etsy shop and made it into my website. And it just, it was enough to like the money that I was getting from, from streaming and from the commission requests from that was starting to pay my rent. And so I was like, I have to make this into a business. And so I launched art larger than me. And I thought, you know, my goal, I'm, I'm five foot two, so I'm pretty short. So my goal is to just make big art, <laughs> but also I thought larger than me, like bigger than me, like not about me, but about, you know, reaching out. And so that name kind of resonated with me, and I stuck with it. And that was really the start of this, you know, career as an artist that I had. It's only started since last July. Um, I've only been painting since last year, which is crazy to think about. Um, and from there, this is kind
0: of why I love your story because I feel like <laughs> there is um, a purity to to you know, there can be a kind of elitism. Uh, in the art industry. It's something I've talked to my dad about, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't finish his MFA. He went for it and didn't finish the final classes. I think it was a protest to something, but there's a purity to self-expression, the way you're doing it, that I felt really drawn to. So I, I love hearing, I love that you're new at it and I love that you are making art larger than me. And I, I kind of been grooving on the metaphor too, cause it's larger than just you personally. Cause I, in your, th- in your story, I keep hearing you talk about connection. And so it's yeah. larger than your ego. I hear you saying I'm making art larger in size than me, but I'm yeah. also making art for everyone, for the community. And some of the paintings are topics that are for everyone.
1: I think so. And I, 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 I try to emphasize that for me, Everyone might not look like what it looks like for everyone else. Like I'm a black man, I'm a trans man, and I feel like I'm right in this intersection of hyper marginalized people that often get forgotten and don't see versions of themselves in creative works even today. Um, so I, when I say everyone, I'm really talking about you know us, um, and it, it it has been resonating with people. Um, and I'm just, I, I agree. It's super organic and it's super like, I'm not trying to be, yeah, that elitist art. I never went to art school. I never went to college. Um, I just went straight into the workforce. So I'm trying to go back and educate myself now on the art that has come before me, but I am so thankful for the perspective that I have on it. Cause like, I feel like art students, when they're forced to read about, you know, Cezanne and Monet and Manet and things like that, you know, they're kind of like, eye rolling like everybody knows this but for me reading about that now it's like it's a revelation I have such an appreciation for it um, that I'm just I'm glad I didn't you know I'm, I'm almost glad I didn't go to art school because um, I see so many people that have gone that are just so jaded and broken down and beaten down by that system and again I am like although I exist in a capitalist society I don't uh, prescribed to any of the tenets of capitalism, and I don't believe in it. I don't think that we need to be doing things solely for the profit. Um, in fact, I don't think we need to be doing things for the profit at all. And so, anything that I can do to get outside of that system, it, like it just resonates with me on a deeper level. It, it makes this all easy to wake up in the morning and do because it's like it's who I would be and what I would be doing regardless. Just happens to be painting that happens to work.
0: Yeah. You're Darren for the dream. I'm sorry I made the connection when you said dreams and Darren. Yeah. So I, I wanted to just be clear with our audience. So what marginalized communities do you represent, Darren?
1: Um, well, I'm black. I'm an African-American, uh, like fourth, fifth generation in this country. And I am I have some Cherokee Indian or Cherokee Native American blood running through my dad's side of my family. And I also, um, I'm transgender. And so I identify with the LGBTQ community. I just consider myself queer. Um, And so it's it's those two intersections where I find myself in the middle of.
0: What about your art do you hope serves either the communities that you identify with or that intersection between the communities that you identify with and the communities that might be marginalizing them?
1: Um, I just, I recognize that I have been gifted with uh, a, a palpable voice and personality type. Most of the people that I meet like me or, or are down with me, most of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so I, I, I try to use that gift that I've been given to reach out to people that maybe haven't been reached or aren't being reached and to speak for people that haven't found a way to speak or have been silenced. Um, Kind of try to think of myself as like a secret agent because I pass and I recognize that a lot of transgender people don't pass and maybe never will pass. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to use the gifts that I have to be a voice for those people that have no voice or whose voices have been taken away.
0: So, how do you think art helps us helps us as a human hu- humanity make space for more people to correct, to connect across our differences? How is it how is it creating that inside of you? I mean, art is such a different language, right?
1: Yeah. it is a different language. But, you know, I think there's theories that it's the early language, like the earliest one. like be, i I believe before we were, Um, gesticulating sounds with our mouths we were painting on cave walls. And it's also one of the first languages that as humans, we learn um, if you give a toddler a paintbrush, they can make some art. They may not be able to really even walk yet, but they can make some art. And so I think that it just comes uh, as an intuitive part of being a human. And there's nothing like that revelation that you get when you see a piece of art that resonates with you Um, Francis Bacon said that that artists, when they're painting, is an extension of their nervous system coming out on the canvas, and I believe that. You know, if you look at my work, it's relaxed. I use muted colors, and yeah, there's a a vibrancy and a movement to it, but it's organic, and these are organic shapes that you'd find in everyday life, and that really speaks to who I am and what I'm about. Whereas, you know, if you're looking at Say Tracy Amon's art, for example, I think it definitely speaks to who she is as a person, um, and so I I believe that art is a language that transcends um, dialects and um, can say a lot, and it's open to interpretation by every person because no two people see the same. Even one person sees two different things from two of their eyes, and so it's our brains that puts these things together based on the synapses and past um, experiences. And I think that what's important about art is that while it's open for interpretation, it's impossible to deny the meanings that are there um, when it's created with intention. And so what I do is, yeah, I might just be painting a portrait and it might just have a, a background, but as I'm creating it, I'm constantly meditating on the intention behind this piece and what I wanted Mm -hmm. to say and invoke in people who are looking at it. And so far, I feel really grateful that my art has been able to speak to people and it has brought people together um, from all different walks of life and all different understandings of why we're here. Um, I don't know why we're here. Nobody does, but I think it's a question that You know, we all wonder, and we all think about, and art is one of those few answers that we have.
0: Yeah, and there's something, and I'm kind of connecting what you said previously about capitalism. Mm -hmm. And there's something that I hear is kind of liberating when you don't have to paint so that this art is marketable, you get to paint from intention. And so you're unencumbered by the marketplace. You really get to put soul into your art. And so I'm curious, it leads me to a question. You talked about the intention and impact that you want the art to have on others. What has been the impact on you? I mean, you've moved from music playing. What have you noticed different about your nervous system, for example, Um, or just you as a person now that you're painting rather than just music?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, music was always a part of my life and, but it was always kind of a frustrating form of expression for me because it's not, um, it's not solitary. I mean, there are musicians and and artists that are able to, you know, take uh, an idea from in their mind and, you know, produce the entire thing and mix it and master and release it But those are few and really few and far between. And frankly, even they have help along the way. And while, you know, it's great, I I believe in connection. I also really value the ability that art has given me to not answer to anyone. Like beyond the market, it's really also like there's no one here saying, oh, no, 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 don't draw that circle or no, 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 don't draw that square. Um, I get to make the mistakes that I make and then learn from them on my own time. And I'm incredibly action oriented um to 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 my detriment or to my success <laughs> and so for me being able to quickly learn these lessons it is fulfilling i think about it every day when i wake up i think about it every night when i go to sleep um it's it's even more of an obsession than music was and music was a high level obsession for me um and I, it, it'll always be there i'm i'm still on that record label when we actually have Two of my projects that I had made in the past years coming out this year as demo tapes. Um, but art, it just seems like a faster zip line through that same connective tunnel for me. Um, I have definitely felt like I have found my calling in what I've been doing. And it is, it's a feeling that I would never, ever give up willingly to just know that when I wake up, I know what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be doing it, even if I don't know what to paint. I know that, oh, I believe that it's not really about the outcome so much as it is about the daily practice. And when you focus on the practice, the outcome comes secondary because it's like you're not in it for what comes out. You're in it for what you put in.
0: I'm having a little grin over here as I'm listening to you because I feel a little bit of that kindred spirit, birds of a feather thing going on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, you and I, it sounds like, both are doers. Maybe do before think. Yeah, even. yeah. Uh, I'm working on it. You
1: know, my partner tells me just once a day, on one decision a day. Why don't you practice thinking about it for like longer than you know? 10 minutes.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll give my husband's phone number to your partner and they can have a conversation yeah. and keep us accountable to yeah. that. Cause that would yeah. be hilarious. The other thing I'm hearing in you, Darren, you are a little bit rebellious with authority. a little bit is
1: an understatement. I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> tell me more
0: because <laughs> I can so jam with that and it's so yeah I'm like grinning same, from ear to ear can you tell me
1: I how just me- have always really did like I hate being told what to do and I don't know what it I don't know I mean I'm a Taurus, so I it stubbornness is like top of that sign but also I just I just don't I just feel like I just don't want Even if they're right, I'll eventually come around and be like, yeah, you were right. But I just don't like being told what to do. So it goes back to like being young and getting my first apartment. And my mom was like worried that in my first apartment I wouldn't get my deposit back because I will have painted on all the walls. And she was a hundred percent correct. I definitely did paint on all the walls and definitely did not get my deposit back. And I've had probably like 16 different jobs not because I'm a bad worker and not even because I would, you know, do anything egregious. It just, I can give you like nine months to 12 months. And then I just, I've figured out the system and it's repetitive. And I just don't want to, I just don't want to do it. So
0: I, you're a real artist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. To my, yeah. Like I said, to my detriment or to my success, I can't get away from it. I actually do so much better on any project, if I have someone just be like, okay, this is the goal. These are the tools. I'll see you in a couple of days. Now, whether or not it will be the way they wanted it done, probably not. And it might not always be the most efficient way, especially if it's my first time, but I can learn and I can be taught and I can pick it up. And it's not like I'm insolent. I just don't really like being told what to do. I, I really value figuring things out and doing things with my hands and Sometimes I do take the slow way around. Um, so, I, but I, you know what? I'm about to be 30 this year. And one thing that I do know that I have learned maybe with age is like, okay, I can at least like figure out who to ask uh, that's been there before, before I just jump into something that I don't know what I'm doing. So I've like, I've learned to value experience from other people that I respect and kind of ask for advice before I just kind of like, dive in uh but even that's like 50 50 sometimes i'll just dive in yeah i'm still working on that
0: i'm turning off my therapist brain now not analyzing this <laughs> in my inner rebel my inner rebel is just grabbing your hand and we're like having a yeah. party in the yeah. park together so this is great um i do have to ask you i gotta take this in a detour because we have another little thing in common uh i went i lived in oh, santa I went to UC at UC Santa Barbara and I waited tables. I paid my way through college and waited tables the whole time. So where did you work? Uh,
1: I worked at a little restaurant out in Los Olivos called Sides Hardware and Shoes. Yeah. And then I worked at the casino, Chumash Casino. and Uh I don't know if I ever worked in Santa Barbara proper.
0: So I don't even know if the restaurant I worked at is even still there. But I worked at the Divey Burger Joint called State and A on State and Mill. Mm,
1: maybe not. Maybe it's gone.
0: I'm sure it's gone. And then I worked at, which is still there, the Summerland Beach Cafe, oh, yeah. which is the Victorian house yeah. with the wraparound Yeah, I love and... that
1: spot. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a small world. It's too funny, yeah. right? Yeah, right? it's yeah. I tell people I'm from Santa Barbara, and like everyone knows where that is and a lot of people have been there or oh it's beautiful there it is beautiful there it's just uh unless you're um unless you're well to do then you're you're definitely struggling down there yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's not like there's a lot you have to kind of be in the tourist industry it's kind of the only yeah, thing yeah or or well, have so, a
1: practice be a doctor or something
0: yeah yeah that's true that's true so i'm wanting to understand i i guess I can't deny, and when this episode airs, the political climate will be different. Yeah. But the, the first thing that happened for me after last week's insurrection and terrorist attack on the Capitol was I called every one of my Black friends and said, please stay home. <laughs> how How is this impacting you and your sense of safety, considering... I mean, I get that you're passing in terms of um, your gender identity, but I I also you're not you're completely
1: conspicuous because you're a black man yeah um i live in portland oregon and so
0: you've I got th- all the moms out there that'll have your back <laughs> <in a heartbeat.
1: laughs> yeah i mean i feel like if i stay within the city proper it's pretty rare that i encounter any violence based on my skin color i don't I, i'm not out at night late at night though i mean yeah. you know i'm like let's not tempt anyone but I think more than my sense of safety was just this overwhelming anger Mm -hmm. at the double standard of this country that we all know and that we all understand, but it has never been demonstrated more clearly than it was demonstrated that day. And it was my immediate thought. And it's the immediate thought of everyone of color and, and, and plenty of white people too that I've heard. And it's just, it feels like shouting into an echo chamber. Like, we've been saying this for years, for decades, for generations, that it is not equal and it is not fair. And it just makes you wonder, like, is it ever gonna change? Um, is it ever gonna improve? Like, I get so frustrated. And one of the reasons why I chose to do a series of portraits of James Baldwin was for the quote that he has um, later in life where he says, you know, I'm 60 years now and I'm not gonna live another 60 years. And you've always told me, you know, it takes time, but it's taken my father's time and my mother's time, my brother's time, my sister's time and my cousin's time. How much more time do you want for your progress? He said mm. that quote just, it sits with me. At this point I've memorized it because it, it's, it's literally so deep in the fiber of my muscles. Like how much more time are we going to have to wait for a simple right to life, to freedom, to justice, to the pursuit of our happiness. And we're not asking to be held above, we're literally just asking to be equal. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, It infuriates me. And so, yeah, seeing that and watching that happen, yeah, there was a part of me that was like, burn it down, which, you know, that's not constructive. But there was another part of me that was just like, this is not fair. And I don't know what it's gonna take for it to be fair. Yeah.
0: I'm curious if you've made any art since last week and if so what's been the what's been the tenor of the of the outpouring of your nervous system onto the canvas
1: you know I I have been making art I have quite a few commissions that I got the start of the year that I've been working through and I personally is it takes me a little bit of time to ingest what's happening in the world around me Mm -hmm. and for it to come back out in art I'm not a quick responder especially on a political level because I I don't want to make something that I will look back on and go like, "Oh, that that's not actually true to how I feel now." Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to give myself a little bit of time to react. Um, but I also I've been painting Baldwin. I have probably I'm looking at two portraits of him, and I did a mural of him. And there's one commission that I did where it's kind of like longer than it, it's it's longer than it is tall, and it's kind of dollar bill bill shaped,
0: mm-hmm. and he's
1: right in the center. And he's monotone and blue, and I kind of came to me. I was like, "Oh, this is like the new one dollar bill. Like this is what mm. in 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 our society that we would create if we could create it. This is what a dollar bill would look like." So I'm I'm again I'm always a positive person, even though the world can be dark and 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 I don't try to just stay like positive air quotes. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm always like, "Well, what what are we, what's going forward? What's future like?" Let me be a part of painting the new world that we build after we tear this one down.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's funny
0: before we just got online together, I told you I had a, a session with a client, but then before that, we I do a live show on Facebook with two women of color who um, we call it the naked three and we just get naked. And our, our talk tonight was about accountability mm-hmm. and we closed the conversation with the, the question what, what kind of accountability would you like to see? And, and this will come around to art, so just bear with me for a second. It'll involve you maybe. Uh, and Larisse said, she told a story. She said, there was um, a fam, there was a black family in a suburban white neighborhood who had put up a black Santa Claus in their front yard. And one of the neighbors complained to the housing association what every other member of the community did rather than approaching that black family and saying you need to take down your black santa Mm. is they all went out and bought black santas and Mm. put them in their front yard
1: in Mm. solidarity
0: and she said i want to see white folks doing something like that right now that would be a really beautiful kind of accountability and so we were just daydreaming along the lines of your James Baldwin on the dollar bill. She said, ah, she said it would be so cool if there was an emblem that represented not the kind of unity that says no accountability, right. But an emblem that says people matter, black lives, not just black lives matter though. Like it's, there's, there, there, there's been a lot of groups that have been harmed and marginalized um, there's a lot of people that want to say, this isn't okay. Yeah. And she said, and I want us to stand in protest, whether we put the signs in our windows, we need an emblem to say, lies aren't okay. Mm-hmm. Bullying's not okay. You know, racism is not okay. Yeah gerrymandering isn't, you know, all the things that that emblem yeah. will stand for. And I said, Oh, that's
1: genius. I she said, yeah, we
0: need a black Santa. And I just
1: thought, yeah, maybe it's just a black Santa. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I mean, can that imagine? would be dope. That, you know, what's funny is I can imagine because my mom, we had, I mean, first of all, my mom was like, ain't no, ain't no Santa. I'm buying these presents. You're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be grateful to your parents who have slaved away all year to get you these things. Forget Santa. But, you know, we had Black Jesus and we had, I mean, we had all Black everything, always. So for me, it's like, it's not a thing. And I would be so shocked to hear that someone doesn't like my Black Santa. It's like, too bad. Um, (laughs) I'm super not, I don't, I like, I'm super not, not, not very good at like accommodating people that don't understand you know what I mean? Like that don't get it or that aren't trying to open their minds. It's kind of like, it's not that hard to understand. Everybody wants to be represented and see themselves in the things that they, you know, create and and, and consume. Uh, yeah, I'm just constantly dumbfounded by racists and racism and it seeps into every part of society in these little ways. Um, even into myself where I have to go and be like, oh, like, why do I think that way? Oh, I think that way because that's how America is. And I need to, you know, think a different way. Um, but yeah, I think I agree. We do need, we need many emblems. We need many signs and we need constant reminders. It needs to not be taboo to tell someone that they're being racist. It needs to not be like this big, like, oh, don't say that. Like, because the, the bottom line is you can't exist in America today as a white person and not have implicit biases. Um, Mm -hmm. you just can't the Mm -hmm. system be it capitalism or the government they're all built on racist ideologies and imperialistic ideologies Mm -hmm. and xenophobic ideologies that need to change Mm -hmm. and that are going to change because there are people like me who are going to devote their lives to changing them Mm -hmm. um it's just it's just a matter of when you know i i I want to I want to hope that within my lifetime I can see a different world but I also don't want to be naive, you know. I I, I want to try to stay realistic. So yeah, it's a struggle in uh it's also really hard to not disengage. Um mm-hmm. uh, my some sometimes my go to is to just like well it makes me so angry that I just can't even look at it and I have to like learn how to sit in that anger and how to let something constructive come out of that anger versus avoidance because you're not going to get anywhere by avoiding things that make you uncomfortable um it's a practice
0: yeah 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 we we uh, just launched a new listener training which is all about the inner cultivation that people need to develop mm-hmm. in order to listen to another human and we really tackle not just implicit bias, but but and not just racial bias, but also cultural bias as well, and yeah, some of the cultural big. lenses that we that we have, and not from a shaming way, just to say if we can just normalize this, right. then it's no big deal for you to own it because you don't have to right. feel a bunch of shame about it. It's just like oh yeah, this is how the brain works. It's exactly. shorthand.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I agree with that. I think shame is the operative word in a lot of this. Where, uh, and I don't know if that's like. A Catholic shame that had just come from imperialism, I, I would have to guess, but it's like it's just so embedded into our society to like shame yourself for making a mistake and shame people around you for, uh, you know, making you uncomfortable or all of that, all of that. And I think the second that we take shame out of the equation. On any of these hard subjects, and we just look at it for what it is, is like a second that we can get somewhere and we can progress. Like, I never wanna shame someone for where they were, I just want them to come to a better place.
0: That sounds like a beautiful way to hold people accountable. What I hear you saying is that you hold people accountable for their growth,
1: not for their past. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, because you only have the tools that you're given. And, you know, nobody asked to be born, literally mm-hmm. nobody. So it's just like, yeah, you, you can only start where you start. And I have my shortcomings and we're human, even even yeah. furthermore, like we're all human, we're imperfect. So, yeah, but I think together we can become perfect. You know, we can cover each other's short, short sightedness and shortcomings. And yeah. I think that's another reason why um I do a lot of abstract pattern, geometric pattern work. When I'm painting that, I'm thinking, you know, all these pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that on a bigger level, each one of us is a piece that's differently shaped. But when we come together, you know, it's a really strong quilt.
0: Beautiful.
1: And you know what? As I've looked at your paintings, they do look like quilts. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a style that, you know, is constantly emerging and, and merging and changing. Um, but yeah, I might have to do some quilting this year and just see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom did some quilts when I was a kid and I've always just been fascinated by the way things fit together.
0: Yeah, that's really sweet. You know, it. I met this artist. If I can find his name, I will email it to you because you may be destined to meet each other. He would, he would take, old clothing that was going to be thrown out and he would sort of weave it together it's hard to explain so that people could use the strips of fabric to crochet Mm. and then he had this ginormous blanket and he would invite he he had to because it's so large and the fabric is so large he had to Mm. custom make crochet needles oh wow and he and crocheting is a little easier than knitting to learn so He would, and what happens when people sit around a quilt or a crochet is so up my alley, because my artistry is human connection and listening,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: But there's something about your painting that seems to sort of play that edge of how do all the parts of us as humans, how do all the parts of the humans in the community, how do all the communities play in this yeah. quilt or in my painting, yeah. and he was creating that by creating these conversations that were happening around the quilt. That's cool. So I'm just I'm just free associating here with you, Darren. Really, um, <laughs> I just you know that's what came up. Really cool. I'm I'm so excited to amplify your work, and you you really do have a, a joyful spirit in spite of being rebellious and kind of angry right now with what's going yeah. on in the world. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you conserve some of your energy for yourself so that you're not like sent sideways by all this stuff, which is I'm glad for.
1: Yeah, it's important to do that. It's really easy to just leave NPR playing all day, but it will drive you crazy.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yes>. It, will. <laughs> it really will.
0: I have learned that I need to take a little time out because yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not an effective actor if I'm like
1: freaking same. out
0: all the time. <laughs> I'm just same. become a jerk, frankly.
1: Yeah, same i I have a
0: hard time believing you're ever a jerk
1: but you know maybe maybe. ah you know yeah I'm, i'm really i'm really smart so sarcasm is like another third language for me art and then speaking and then sarcasm but yeah no i it's it's a i'm you know i'm teaching myself this year how to rest um i don't really ever slow down and if you if you if you don't stop me i will work 24 hours i I just said this to someone last night, I was laying down and I was like, I hate that we have to sleep. And I hate that we have to eat. And I hate that we have to use the bathroom. Like, what a waste of time. Like, I wish that I could just never You're do any of that
0: Man work
1: all the time. And she was like, well, then you wouldn't really be human. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny.
0: That's funny.
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can. So I'm teaching myself how to rest and bought myself a robe for the first time. And I, my rule is like, once the robe is on, you're not allowed to take it back off and go back to work. Oh,
0: that's so just really great. That's a great habit loop tips. I hope for folks that are listening, you that have a hard time resting. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I might steal that, Darren.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I get the urge to put it on, it's like, oh, that's your body telling you it's time to stop working. And then I just tell myself, like, you're not allowed to paint in this because it's really nice. And you can't take it back off and put clothes back on. You have to sleep before you can, you know, go back to work.
0: We're we're at the end of our time and there's just such a sweet moment for you to connect with all the listeners that listen for side, with Sidewalk Talk around the world. I really like to get out of the way and have you have a conversation with them and offer them either a wish or words of wisdom.
1: Hmm, my wish or some wisdom. You know, one thing that all the turmoil and the craziness of the last year and the beginning of this year has really helped me get through um, whenever I'm feeling helpless or hopeless or just unsure about the future that we have ahead of us, I think it really helps me to step outside of myself and look around in my community, in my immediate vicinity, in my social media following community, anywhere, and find someone else who I can help. It doesn't have to be money, it doesn't have to be, you know, something outside of what I can do, but sometimes it's just talking to someone else about their life, just checking on a friend. Um, but I have found that The most grounded I feel on this earth is when I'm reaching out to help someone else. And I think if each one of us just shared a little bit of what we had, there'd be more than enough to go around. Um, I'm Darren Todd, and uh, I just appreciate getting a chance to talk with you today. Take care.
0: Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from, and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.